So welcome to this appointment of 15 minutes of experience. Today I'm with Boris Eldarksen from Berlin. And welcome, Boris. Hello, nice being here. Yeah, it's really nice for me too. And especially to, to meet someone else is in Berlin. For me, it's really much for nicer because that can be a possible connection to meet us in the real person. But today we start to uh, connect each other and... Uh, i would love to to know first of all uh, um who are you and uh, uh, if you can introduce a bit yourself to the people who are listening this uh, podcast then everyone know better uh, uh, something about you and then we can just go on with the specific question also i'm an artist working with photography i also do installation and video art Okay, really short. <laughs> so let's let, let's let's go a bit more in 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 uh, your details. So uh, how do you consider that uh, uh, visual uh, communicate uh, uh, exactly what you want? So do you think uh, your visual uh, communicate exactly what you want to say with them? I didn't get the question. Can you rephrase? So uh, my question is, uh, uh, do you think uh, your visual communication is uh, talking really clearly or uh, uh, hide some messages behind? Um, well, I consider to, to be um, moving in the art world. And if you create an artwork, um, it is communicating, but there's a difference between using photography as an artist and using photography as a for visual communication yeah that has for me a history that is more rooted in design so the work i do ideally speaks to you on several levels there has to be an emotional feeling a gut feeling and if you go deeper into the work you can also see links to topics art history different approaches And the best way to approach an artwork in my recommendation is not to ask what does the artist want to tell us, because that would be also like communication. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure, <laughs> sure. The, yeah. the communication is basically happening within you and the artwork is just triggering it. So the question I um, propose to ask yourself is um, what does the artwork Do with me why do I feel in a certain way why do I have certain thoughts coming up so it's an interior journey um, learning about yourself that can be triggered by the artwork it's a different approach yeah yeah totally so it's a different approach what I mean uh, in uh, my question it uh, if uh, if uh, you really feel that uh, uh, your uh, art uh, is uh, uh, able to talk for you directly as you can talk uh, in a grammar way 
that's what I was asking to you. And uh, that's it because, that's because uh, sorry, uh, that's because your, your artwork is really particular, we can say, and uh, uh, unique and uh, use uh, different level of communication. And uh, uh, we are not talking about uh, uh, general photography we can uh, uh, see in the mainstream channel, but uh, it's something is based on a different level of communication. That's why I asked you that question. Yes, like uh, the mainstream of photography is, is uh, socially, politically engaged in topics of today. My work is more philosophical or psychological where it's not talking about the problems this world has, but about the human condition that is the basis for what we are having in our societies. And that human basis is um, timeless. It's not changing that quickly. And from my experience, and I have been showing um, in uh, different countries in the world, in Asia, in Europe, in Australia, in America, with different religious systems um, it reaches people there um, i get feedback from around the globe so it doesn't seem to be attached to a certain culture or religion if you like my work or not it's more a, a personal thing yeah for sure it's a it's a, it's a, a, a kind of poetry totally different from uh, uh, something is uh, uh, related to a kind of topic. Uh, it's much more uh, righted from uh, emotional level uh, of feeling. And uh, I think uh, this is something we can find also in other pictures that are more in mainstream, but uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, practically uh, straight to the point that, uh, uh, that that way you communicate uh, is there and is constantly. And uh, uh, what uh, remind me some of this work, some um, books I've seen uh, uh, several years ago uh, of some artists. Uh, uh, one of them, it's one picture, uh, remember me, uh, a work of Antoine Dagata. And uh, I can feel it's uh, a bit on the way of uh, this expression. So, this uh, uh, kind of mix of uh, uh, between expressionism and impressionism and uh, uh, this touching the feeling uh, uh, of the soul uh, then more than touching the, uh, the note uh, of the society. So that's uh, for sure your work uh, fitted in every kind of society, uh, but it's uh, really interesting I ask to myself uh, in which way touched every different country uh, if uh, this feeling uh, there was only uh, human feeling uh, so naturally and general or uh, in a way or another you know we are influenced from our society and the different uh, level uh, different layers of subculture influences and uh, uh, for uh, some countries, uh, some areas uh, in the world, uh, some colors uh, um, come out in a way and from others uh, come out in another way. So then they touch different, um, how to say, notes inside of our mind. I know, 
but um, I think the work is in itself existential and we all share the same psychological um, makeup. So like the work can be linked to the idea of Carl Gustav Jung that um, we all share a, um, a kind of consciousness that um, let us perceive the world in certain archetypes. So if I, as an artist, can tap into those archetypes, the work um, has an effect uh, around across the cultures and is also timeless. You can also make a link to existential philosophy where we all share the same problems um, that we are um, influenced by desires, by hopes, by fears that we are all mortal and what this has an effect on our lives. So this is more the world I'm, I'm moving in than looking at a particular political problem of today. What do you think? It's, uh, why uh, do you think you are right at the, to communicate that and to creating that with your heart? Um, it was always an interest of mine. Like I studied six years of philosophy. It has an, in, an impact. I was always uh, interested in what we have in common across the cultures and also across the time. So I'm looking for things that are similarities, connections, and that interest um, was always there. And it was just growing, growing, growing and becoming more conscious. Okay. So, uh, because I have to say, it's uh, uh, watching at your work, it's not really easy to uh, read that uh, common feeling. I mean, yeah, you can uh, react just easily to what you have in front of you, but uh, I think uh, your images need to be read and read and read and read and read and overread until you don't get the exactly uh, feeling it's uh, uh, it's, a, it's a bit difficult for me in the I have to say um, to read your picture in a way I mean to also react in a way to your picture and uh, uh, I can uh, I can just say yeah I, I appreciate uh, really the color I appreciate the composition but uh, if I have to read the picture and if I have to really say that the picture touch me in a particular way, I probably need uh, more than one month to just stay in front of your picture. Well, the work has always been polarizing. There are some people where you don't need to explain a word. And then there are some people that you can't reach even if you sit down and explain it for, for hours because um, often we see things that we are open for, that we are already carrying in us. This is one aspect of the work. And then um, the contemporary photography scene is always asking for stories. And um, my previous solo works, I do solo and collaborative work. Um, my solo works had been called poems to show that it's not a story that it differs from the usual 
images that try to carry narratives. A poem is much more open. It needs to be completed by the viewer, the audience. And um, not everybody likes poems. Yeah, yeah, for sure not everyone likes poems. I mean, this is really actual, what you said. Uh, I write poetry for several years and uh, I was really uh, touched to discover the synonyms. Even, uh, uh, and then I, I really went totally deep in the, some meaning uh, and some words. Uh, that then I discovered not everyone knows the, uh, that, that there was existing these words. But uh, yeah, in a way they touched me in a really particular part of myself. And uh, in a way, yeah, they, they rather me to, to, to see more or probably also to see less other things. But uh, yeah, this is the feeling I have watching your work. It's kind of, uh, in a way, like uh, you, you've discovered the level of communication with yourself, also level of experimentation that uh, is uh, not really easy to get in touch with. I mean, everyone can do it a comment. Every, every part of the audience can do it a comment. And this is absolutely part of the freedom to get in touch with the heart. But uh, I ask to myself that you feel, uh, do you feel that your heart uh, is, in, is on the level with the audience that you would be, uh, that your heart be? Yeah, but who is the audience? Like, um, the audience is never 100%. I mean, your audience in this case, uh, not, not the audience we don't know yet. I, I think, yes, I did a big room installation in Al, parallel to the photography festival this summer. It was a very immersive experience. And I had very fascinating um, meetings with people that just came there randomly. There was one guy who was attracted by the poster. And then he was asking, what is it? And I told him it's for an exhibition downstairs. And so he went in the basement and he stayed like half an hour. And then he came out of the basement and he said, I see myself in every second picture. And then I asked him, who are you? What are you doing? And then he said he was a forensic policeman from Marseille. <laughs> and that was a very fascinating experience. Another experience was um, a woman with a little child, like four or five years old. They also stayed like half an hour in there and had fun just playing around because it was so colorful. And um, she was a Moroccan nurse um, working in the south of France and she didn't have any educated background. So um, I'm surprised who gets it and enjoys it. And I'm also often surprised who I can't reach. It's nothing I can predict. Yeah, this, this is so wonderful and nice what you shared now. And I liked that. And. Uh, as in a way, it's something you you know you never expect mm -hmm. to 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 listen from someone that especially when you you understand that people 
doesn't come from uh, an artistic education and it's really i think it's really part of uh, the satisfaction to doing visual uh, uh, art in general and what what i can say uh, uh, watching your picture is uh, what i feel uh, so strong in the all the, the portfolio in general, all the work you did, it's uh, there is a strong communication about, uh, in a way, it touched me in that way. I don't know if it's that. I don't want to say bullshit, but uh, something uh, related to uh, the strong emotion we consider sometimes bad emotion of our life. I feel like there is something in the dark I mean, it's clearly most of the picture they are in the dark, but um, when I say that it's something related to uh, the sex, uh, the aggression, the, um, uh, all the strong emotion, you know, the, the, the strong love, the strong uh, way to cry. And uh, I wanted to, 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 I'm really curious. I mean, I don't wanna uh, be uh, disrespectful in a way, but I'm really curious to know if, this is really related to your person. Um, what you say can be explained by the Jungian psychology. Uh, Jung speaks of the shadow. The shadow is like all the negative things that are part of us that we don't like, don't want to see. So we put them somewhere. And um, the work confronts you with this shadow. So that is doing like a very important task for you because in the Jungian psychology, it's very important during life to make peace with yourself, to integrate all the different parts, also the parts you don't like, you don't like to have. And um, if you take the idea of the shadow and go back in art history, you find it expressed in many different art forms, in many different theories. You have it in books like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You also have it in Fight Club. You have it in um, works that go back to Chinese philosophy. There's a story of a shadow. There is a man that doesn't like his shadow. So he's running and running and wants to run away from the shadow. And it doesn't work. So he runs faster and faster and it doesn't work. And then he dies. And the end of the Chinese story is if you sit in the shade of a tree and rest, you're not getting exhausted and your shadow is also suddenly gone because it became part with the shadow of nature. Um, you have a tradition in Japan, which is called Wabi-Zabi, where um, when porcelain is broken, it's not thrown away. It's glued together, so you see that it was broken, and the part that was broken is made very costly, often with gold, so that um, that injury is really exaggerated. And then you have like a, a quote from a, a Persian. Um, Sufi like Rumi that the wound is the place where the light gets in 
We have Canadian singer Leonard Cohen who says, there's a crack in everything, a crack in everything, and that's how the light gets in. And so on and so on and so on. They are all talking about the shadow. And what you have been describing before is exactly this. Yeah, it's it's uh, really interesting. I mean, I'm watching uh, now really all the picture from your Instagram. I, I went back to the 2014, and uh, uh, in a way, I'm watching this story as of uh, gradually going uh, more and more in the topic. And uh, I'm I wanted to ask you if. Uh, uh you remember and uh, yeah if you can describe the moment that you realized that you wanted to ride uh, that particularly horses uh, so then uh, riding your uh, communication to the next level that uh, you are now actually um i think it's a gradual thing you, one uh, work is leading you to the next and you do your private research when i finished my philosophy studies. I didn't read philosophy for five years. And then I got back into psychology, into um, outskirts of psychology and philosophy. I was reading in uh, occult books. I was researching what I have in common. And um, 15 years ago, I decided to only work at night. Somehow I often photographed at night. I did like it, but I was some stuck daytime. And then I realized, no, the nighttime is my time. And like for the last week, I'm out every night. At eight o'clock, I start my working shift and I work from eight mostly till midnight. And when you want to, to find me, you go to Museums Island. I live like 10 minutes away. And I'm at Museums Island photographing most of the time I'm in Berlin. It's always surprising. It's always different. And I'm fascinated of what's happening there. So what I'm doing there is not street photography. I'm using the tools of street photography by um, not staging things. What I photograph is happening. But the photographs, they don't want to show you, um, this is a tourist from Japan at Museums Island. The photograph wants to use this as material and to transform it into a timeless symbol for our existence and the human condition. Yeah. Last night I, I was there and half of the museum's island was fenced off. It was a big Hollywood production, uh, Keanu Reeves, John Wick 4. But it was also fascinating because the whole the scenery, the change, they had fog machines and gigantic drones and the whole place, the change. It's always different. I go there tonight again. Nice. But, you know, uh, I was thinking about what you what uh, we was talking before to record this podcast uh, was that uh, more or less my 50 minutes of experience is never 50 minutes. Uh, and uh, in this case, for example, will be not enough 50 minutes to to write the conversation to the level uh, as to be really in this uh, intimacy to keep the conversation on the on the middle of the best you know and uh, and this is the same uh, i think uh, uh, that the time we need uh, to to really start to reading some images or to up getting in touch with some images or to getting in touch with the 
some uh, inner emotion. Uh, we need uh, at least 50 minutes in front of them. And then probably we will start to see something. So I was thinking that, uh, yeah, before we said, uh, yeah, it's never 50 minutes. Uh, and uh, I will never cut the conversation at 50 minutes. And I think that, uh, yeah, probably it's 50 minutes uh, and then we can start to talk about experience. So, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the, during you was talking, you, you let us me uh, thinking about some inspirational stuff and uh, about the night in general, uh, that uh, years ago I was also shooting for, I shoot for five years uh, all in the night. Then after uh, uh, my mother died, uh, after the death of my mother, I couldn't uh, anymore shooting in the night. And uh, there was this totally transformation inside of myself, inside of the way I see the world. And uh, I can recognize in a way that uh, I was righted from some uh, inner uh, thinking and feeling about also to be not understood from uh, from the world or from myself. Probably I was, no, I was not understanding myself. And that's why I asked to you if uh, that uh, um, extreme, we can say extreme, but uh, really true feeling of human being. So as uh, we consider negative, but I don't think at all they are negative, but they are just really powerful. Uh, if uh, they are still part of your persona or uh, uh, they, they are just uh, something you are longing for to continue to keep your research about. Um, I'm not sure if I got your question right. Do you ask if I still have those existential experiences in my life? Yeah. I do, but I think... Um, everybody does sometimes uh, there is nothing happening it's in like a normal life like this not very highs and lows and sometimes it's very extreme like last year was very extreme for me i had a friend who um, had brain cancer and he had just a year left and that was when the pandemic started and after the first wave he decided to die legally, to commit suicide legally in Switzerland. And he asked me to organize it. And that was tough. Yeah. And I did all the paperwork. I was writing the letters for him. I said, I can't do it alone. We need like a team. So we had three people. I was doing the organization. One was doing the finances and another friend accompanied me and my friend to Switzerland and we went there and we spent three days and we're sitting beside his bed when he was killing himself. It was a very powerful and uh, tough experience, also beautiful experience because we could fulfill his wish. But there's nothing that prepares you for this. Like, How do you spend a last night? How do you spend a last breakfast together when you know that like the person who is sitting next to you and smoking a cigarette will be dead in two hours? And it's also very um, strong to watch it. 
to see how the body change in two minutes and suddenly a person is dead. Um, I know these are experiences that not everybody is having or wants to have, but it is belonging to our existence. And the collaborator I'm working with for the project we have been talking about, the rabbit hole, Tanvir Taolat, he's based in Bangladesh, in Dhaka. And if you've ever been to Bangladesh out there, it's a different life than we are leading. It's harder, it's tougher. The suffering and pain you see on the street is visible much more than in Europe. Yeah, totally. It's totally uh, another world, especially if we go a bit out from the city of Bangladesh, that especially people live on the rail train. Uh, it's uh, already uh, something uh, you will never imagine that exists in the life, in the world in general. But uh, yeah, unfortunately exists. And uh, there are also some other stuff really cruel. But yeah, uh, in a way, I think also that um, what is cruel in some part of the world and uh, they touch in a way uh, this straight point to be cruel. You know, they are direct to you cruel. There are many other stuff in, uh, we have in Europe, they are cruel in the feeling, uh, in, the, in, the, in the way we perceive and not in the way we see. Uh, I totally agree. Um, when I was 24, um, I was crazy enough to do uh, to study a semester in India. I was never outside of Europe. I just went there. And India in the 90s is like Bangladesh today. <laughs> I returned to India two years ago and it changed a lot. But what I realized being at an Indian art school is they had an interest to make pretty works because they saw all the suffering and pain out in the street. And it seemed that Europe was just the flip side. Yeah, you see like beauty, flowers, wealth on the street. But in the artworks, you often see the pain and the suffering, which is then more a psychological pain and suffering. Yeah, this, there, is, there is a lot of psychological pain in the world. And that's what I was meaning before. And especially in Europe, we have uh, rules or uh, normalized bullshit that uh, we actually consider normal, but they are not normal at all. And uh, yeah, and especially we, we live in uh, riding uh, an old horses of uh, three, four hundred uh, uh, years ago, still is here, you know, and uh, that's what I was saying. So in the end, uh, we, we have uh, uh, for sure our cruel part of the world. And uh, in some countries, it's more uh, touchable uh, in the visual way. And some other countries is not touchable in the visual way, but uh, inside uh, is hided. Uh, and uh, it's reserved and it's accumulated uh, inside of every person in every house. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think we are living in Berlin. And, uh, we can see that. We can see the how much the society uh, is crazy and ill in some ways. And uh, this uh, also need uh, to uh, 
putting out uh, uh, the emotion with the alcohol, with the drugs, uh, with uh, with the clubs, uh, uh, is uh, a continuous, uh, uh, a continuously necessity of uh, uh, most of uh, people live here, and uh, and you you live from a lot of time here in Berlin, so then you can you know more than me about that for sure, and. Uh, um, I wanted to also know uh, if uh, this changing of this city uh, in a way or another uh, changed also yourself and uh, if uh, actually Berlin is continuous, continue to fit in your persona. It does, yeah. I really feel at home here. Like I, I moved to Berlin in the mid late 90s and that was a time when it was like um, still like rough and dirty and depressing yeah there had been no beer bikes there had been no renovated houses you saw the bullet shots in the facades um, but it was vibrating it was wild it was room for experimentation and here at Rosenthaler Platz where I, I live if you go down the street and you have just like tourism and boutiques, fashion here. Yeah. I can tell you where there had been the clubs before and the squatted houses. And when there was clubs you entered, they had only one toilet, which was unisex and had no door. And the ground floor was broken and in the cellar was the dance floor. That was always an exciting part of Berlin. Of course, it has been pushed more to the outskirts. Um, and money came in, people came in, but what I like here is um, it is a magnet for the people I would like to work with. Everybody comes here and um, it's a magnet for the people that um, don't fit in somewhere else. Berlin has a long tradition of being tolerant if you go back to the prussian times prussia had been a very like a military style organized state but you could believe in any religion which was unique usually you had to follow the belief system of the king in prussia the king said i don't care we have rules you pay taxes everything is fine and if you go back to um, the friedrich der große um, he was gay and his father um, executed his lover in front of his eyes. Yeah? Um, that is a tough um, biography, but it also was leading, I think, to a tolerance that always had been existed in Berlin and continues to exist. And that is keeping me here. Everything else is changing and that's normal. Places change. In the last 20 years, London did change, New York did change, Lisbon, whatever. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay here. I'm completely agree with you. I mean, uh, it's, uh, it was my curiosity, but uh, in a way or another, yeah, uh, I came here not uh, in the 90 like you, but uh, in the seven years ago. and. Uh, uh, yeah, a lot of things changed in seven years, uh, especially in these last three years uh, during also the pandemic also uh, changed the, the city, but uh, I feel I fit much more now than before. 
mean, okay, how how is that? What how did the city change you? I mean, change it a lot because uh, in a way, uh, I come from Naples, and um, in Naples also is a, is a city a bit of freedom in a way. I mean, for the expression, for sure, the expression of uh, the feeling is totally free. But uh, um, it's a continuously way to survive there. I mean, you are really fighting to survive. And uh, the most of the job is in black. There is no, almost no legal job. And uh, I was, I grew up in a, in a village that is really close where they produce heroin. So uh, I have seen uh, probably every kind of a situation uh, about uh, Camorra, uh, Mafia and uh, stuff like that. And uh, in a way, yeah, I'm used to stay uh, with uh, good people and bad people. And when I came here in Berlin, uh, was not really a decision. I mean, I came here, I bought a flight for a random place, it was Berlin. And I came here for three days with a friend. And uh, after the two days, I said to my friend, uh, I, I want to con continue to stay here for another week. I like to work here. I mean, this is the when people ask me why you are in Berlin, uh, because I like to work. And uh, yeah, it was, it was the truth. I like just to work here. I didn't know anything about Berlin. Uh, I didn't know any words about German. I, I was not able to speak English. And uh, then, yeah, I decided, yeah, I want to come here because I like to work. And uh, um, before, uh, some years before, I was working on a project of myself, a long project. And this project was named Walking. And this it was based uh, on discovering myself through the, the, the reality was outside. And uh, I just continued to walk. And uh, I discovered a lot of, uh, not only of myself, but a lot of uh, different people of, of everywhere here in Berlin. And I think Berlin, it's, um, then this is nice because uh, uh, when I, there was a moment that I told you uh, my mother uh, died, uh, then I had to go back in Italy before she, she was going to die. And, uh, I started to read a lot. I read a lot of books, especially in sociology and anthropology and psychology. And I connected a lot with a lot of people that was living in Berlin in different uh, part of the, of the world life. Uh, so from every uh, epoch, uh, I read about uh, Berlin and uh, I was fitting in every of this philosophy of every person that was expressing the same things I was thinking about Berlin. And then I recognized that uh, in a way is a city is uh, constantly in the changing, but uh, never change. There's this uh, kind of opposite experience that uh, is uh, always in changing, but never change. <laughs> because uh, if you read stuff about 600 years ago, and probably that Berlin was not really connected, uh, but uh, there was the same kind of people uh, and same kind of culture that uh, it's really uh, based in the roots of this heart. And uh, that's, uh, that's changed completely my vision to be much more wide than open. Because uh, uh, what I, I understood uh, uh, some years ago that uh, 
this uh, also terminology to say to be open is not really a good things uh, because thinking to be open uh, means uh, that also getting the shit not only getting uh, good stuff uh, it means to don't really choose uh, what you want to get or not so then i started to think about i want to be wide then open i want to see why the stuff and choose uh, if something fit with me or not and yeah it's uh, gave to me a lot of occasion to to learn i think uh, uh, this could be happen also in other place uh, much more power uh, of uh, culture but uh, uh, for sure uh, influenced me in a way to to also go out from in some influence that uh, I had uh, in the South Italy. So yeah, I think it's a, it's a city totally involved. Also the understanding that uh, uh, we are always uh, getting in touch with a lot of people come here. And then uh, uh, these people, uh, probably 90% of them, they go away after uh, six months, one year, two years, 10 years or else. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really a mirror of, uh, I think, the, the reality in some ways. And also it's a mirror of uh, uh, the emotion of the people. Because as I said before, here there is also a lot of tolerance, as you said. And uh, there is also a lot of uh, um, ideas developed that you are uh, free. But in a way, uh, we are still in Germany. And uh, there are some stuff uh, that you are not free. So... It is, but Berlin is like um, not identical with Germany. Like New York is not identical with the United States. Yeah, it is also something in itself. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, in and, the low um, part. <laughs> yes, yes. What I've also uh, one theory about Berlin that I did like in the past was that it's like a big promise that, of course, can't be kept for all. But um, I was often asked, what's the difference between uh, Berlin and Melbourne? I was like living six years between Australia and Germany. And the Australians asked me, what's so special about Berlin? And then I said, in Berlin, you could ride um, nude on your bike, yeah, naked without clothes, no helmet and drink a beer and it would be okay. And in Australia, you would be arrested for each of those three things. Yeah, yeah. I'll and see. Um, many times I was saying this, and at some point I was uh, reading an interview with some Australians um, being in Berlin, and they had been asked the same question. So, what's the difference between Australia or Melbourne and Berlin? And they were quoting me. That was so funny because my explanation became a kind of meme that was passed on as a tool to explain difference. And it has left me and and people used it without knowing that i was the source that was funny that's that's really cool <laughs> so i i ask you the last question then i let you yeah. go uh so i one thing is uh is i'm interesting about uh it's uh what do you think today we missed in the world of visual art I think um, that art is more than a political or sociological comment or activism. Yeah, that art is something that also has a 
roots in the timeless human condition and are not reacting to the now every time. You see, there are certain um, fashionable trends that um, museums need to tick off. And um, I do support all the, those political causes, but I think um, it's wrong um, that um, what, you what you are shown out there is concentrating on those topics. Like uh, Paris Photo this year has a focus on female photographers, others do black photographers, do LGBTQ, do minorities, do post-colonial subjects. Um, these are the trends that are shown and they are connected to political, sociological um, ideas and movements. But I think art is more than politics. Art is um, something for people that are brave enough to look into a mirror and then ask themselves, why has this artwork such an effect on me that they are curious enough to become, to make a journey inside? Because everything else I can read in the newspapers. Newspapers are writing a lot about politics. Yeah, <laughs> I, I want to see something else when I go into the museum. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you about that. So thank you a lot, Boris, for uh, this talk. And uh, really was a pleasure to have uh, this conversation with you. It was really nice. Thank you a lot. My pleasure. And if you would like to photograph again at night and do a tour together, let me know. Then we can hang out one night at the museum. Wow, sure, sure, sure. I will do that. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Learn more about our project at allmylinks.com slash berlinexplorer or visit our Instagram and follow Berlin Explorer project.